The Serpent's Shadow, Chapter 16, Sadie Rides Shotgun, Worst Idea Ever. Here's some free advice. Don't walk toward chaos. With every step, I felt like I was being dragged into a black hole. Trees, boulders, and demons flew past us and were sucked into the ocean. While lightning flickered through the red-gray mist, under our feet, chunks of the ground kept cracking and sliding into the tide. I grasped the crook and flail in one hand and held Zia's hand with the other. Setney whistled and floated along beside us. He tried to act cool, but from the way his colors were fading and his greased hair pointed toward the ocean like a comet's tail, I figured he was having a tough time holding his ground. Once I lost my balance, I almost tumbled into the surf, but Zia pulled me back. A few steps later, a fish-headed demon flew out of nowhere and slammed into me. He grabbed my legs, trying desperately to avoid getting sucked in. Before I could decide whether to help him or not, he lost his grip and disappeared into the sea. The most horrible thing about the journey? Part of me was tempted to give up and let chaos draw me in. Why keep struggling? Why not end the pain and the worry? So what if Carter Kane dissolves into trillions of molecules? I knew those thoughts weren't really mine. The voice of Apophis was whispering in my head, tempting me as it had before. I concentrated on the glowing white obelisk, our lighthouse in the storm of chaos. I didn't know if that spire was really the first part of creation or how that myth jibbed with the Big Bang or God creating the world in seven days or whatever else people might believe. Maybe the obelisk was just a manifestation of something larger, something my mind couldn't comprehend. Whatever the case, I knew the obelisk stood for Mott, and I had to focus on it. Otherwise, I was lost. We reached the base of the jetty. The rocky path felt reassuringly solid under my feet, but the pull of chaos was strong on either side. As we inched forward, I remembered photos I'd seen of construction workers building skyscrapers back in the old days, fearlessly walking across girders 600 feet in the air with no safety harnesses. I felt like that now, except I wasn't fearless. The winds buffeted me. The jetty was ten feet wide, but I still felt like I was going to lose my balance and pitch into the waves. I tried not to look down. The stuff of chaos churned and crashed against the rocks. It smelled like ozone, car exhaust, and formaldehyde mixed together. The fumes alone almost were enough to make me pass out. Just a little further, Setney said. His form flickered unevenly. Zia's green demon disguise blinked in and out. I held up my arm and saw my glamour shimmer in the wind, threatening to collapse. I didn't mind losing the shocking purple bottle-opening chimp look, but I was hoping the wind would tear away only the illusion, not the actual skin. Finally, we reached the obelisk. It was carved with tiny hieroglyphs, thousands of them, white on white, so they were almost impossible to read. I spotted the names of gods, 
enchantments to invoke Mott, and some divine words so powerful they almost blinded me. Around us, the sea of chaos heaved. Each time the wind blew, a glowing shield in the shape of a scarab flickered around Zia. The magical carapace of Kifri sheltering us all. I suspected it was the only thing keeping us from instant death. What now? I asked. Read the spell, Sunny said. You'll see. Zia handed me the scroll. I tried to find the right lines, but I couldn't see straight. The glyphs blurred together. I should have anticipated this problem. Even when I wasn't standing next to the Sea of Chaos, I'd never been good at incantations. I wish Sadie was there. Yes, Sadie, I actually said that. Don't gasp so loud. I... I can't read it, I admitted. Let me help. Zia traced her finger down the scroll. When she found the hieroglyph she wanted, she frowned. This is a simple summoning spell. She glared at Setney. You said the magic was complicated. You said we'd need your help. How could you lie while holding the feather of truth? I didn't lie, Setney protested. The magic is complicated for me. I'm a ghost. Some spells, like summoning spells, I can't cast at all. And you did need my help to find the shadow. You needed the Book of Thoth for that, and you needed me to interpret it. Otherwise, you'd still be shipwrecked at the river. I hated to admit it, but I said, He's got a point. Sure I do, Sentney said. Now that you're here, the rest isn't so bad. Just force the shadow to show itself, and then I... uh, You can capture it. Zia and I exchanged a nervous look. I imagine she felt the same way I did. Standing at the edge of creation, facing an endless sea of chaos, the last thing I wanted to do was cast a spell that would summon part of Apophis' soul. It was like shooting off a flare gun, signaling, Hey, big nasty shadow, here we are. Come and kill us. I didn't see that we had much choice, though. Zia did the honors. It was an easy invocation, the kind a magician might use to summon a shopti or an enhanced dust mop or pretty much any minor creature from the duot. When Zia finished, a tremor spread in all directions, as if she dropped a massive stone into the Sea of Chaos. The disturbance rippled up the beach and over the hills. Uh, what was that? I asked. Distress signal, Setney said. I'm guessing the shadow just called on the forces of chaos to protect it. Wonderful, I said. We'd better hurry then. Where's the, uh, oh. The shoot of Apophis was so large, it took me a moment to understand what I was looking at. The white obelisk seemed to cast a shadow across the sea, but as the shadow darkened, I realized that it wasn't the silhouette of the obelisk. Rather, the shadow writhed across the surface of the water like the body of a giant snake. The shadow grew until the head of the serpent 
almost reached the horizon. It lashed across the sky, darting its tongue and biting at nothing. My hands shook. My insides felt like I'd just chugged a big glass of chaos water. The serpent's shadow was so massive, radiating so much power, that I didn't see how we could possibly capture it. What had I been thinking? Only one thing kept me from total panic. The serpent wasn't completely free. Its tail seemed to be anchored to the obelisk, as if someone had driven a spike to keep it from escaping. For a disturbing moment, I felt the serpent's thoughts. I saw things from Apophis's point of view. It was trapped by the white obelisk, seething and in pain. It hated the world of mortals and gods, which pinned it down and constricted its freedom. Apophis despised creation the way I might despise a rusty nail being driven through my foot, keeping me from walking. All Apophis wanted was to snuff out the obelisk's blinding light. He wanted to annihilate the earth so he could go back to the darkness and swim forever in the unrestricted expanses of chaos. It took all of my willpower not to feel sorry for the poor little world-destroying, sun-devouring serpent. Well, I said hoarsely, we found the shadow. Now what do we do with it? Setney chuckled. <laughs> oh, I, I could take it from here. You guys did great. Toss. If I hadn't been so distracted, I might have seen what was coming. But I didn't. My demon glamour suddenly turned into solid bands of mummy linen, covering my mouth first, then wrapping around my body with blinding speed. I toppled and fell, completely encased except for my eyes. Zia hit the rocks next to me, also cocooned. I tried to breathe, but it was like inhaling through a pillow. Setney leaned over Zia. He carefully extracted the Book of Thoth from beneath her bindings and tucked it under his arm. Then he smiled down at me. Oh, Carter, Carter. He shook his head as if he were mildly disappointed. I like you, pal. I really do. But you are way too trusting. After that business on the riverboat, you still gave me permission to cast a glamour spell on you? Come on! Changing a glamour into a straitjacket is so easy. Mmm, I grunted. What's that? Sunny cupped his ear. Hard to talk when you're all bound up, isn't it? Look, it's nothing personal. I couldn't have cast that invocation spell myself, or I would have done it ages ago. I needed you to. Well, one of you, anyway. I figured I'd be able to kill either you or your girlfriend along the way. Make the other one easier for me to handle. I never thought both of you would survive this far. Impressive. I wriggled and almost toppled into the water. For some reason, Sutney pulled me back to safety. Now, now, he chided. No point killing yourself, pal. Your plan isn't ruined. I'm just going to alter it. I'll trap the shadow. That part I can do myself. But instead of casting the execration, I'll blackmail Apophis. See? He'll destroy only what I let him destroy. 
Then he retreats back into chaos, or his shadow gets stomped, and the big snake goes bye-bye. I protested, but it was getting harder to breathe. Yeah, yeah, Setney sighed. This is the part where you say, You're mad, Setney. You'll never get away with it. But the thing is, I will. I've been getting away with impossible stuff for thousands of years. I'm sure the snake and I can come to a deal. Oh, I'll let him kill Ra and the rest of the gods. Big deal. I'll let him destroy the House of Life. I'll definitely let him tear down Egypt and every cursed statue of my dad, Ramses. I want that blowhard erased from existence. But the whole mortal world? Don't worry about it, pal. I'll spare most of it. I've got to have some place to rule, don't I? Zia's eyes flared orange. Her bonds started to smoke, but they held her fast, her fire receding, and she slumped against the rock. Setney laughed. <laughs> nice try, doll. You guys sit tight. If you make it through the big shakeup, I'll come back and get you. Maybe you can be my jesters or something. You two crack me up. But in the meantime, I'm afraid we're done here. No miracle's gonna drop from the sky and save you. A rectangle of darkness appeared in the air just above the ghost's head. Sadie dropped out of it. I'll say this for my sister. She has great timing. And she's quick on the draw. She crashed into the ghost and sent him sprawling. Then she noticed us wrapped up like presents, quickly realized what was going on, and turned towards Setney. Tass! she yelled. No! Setney was wrapped in pink ribbons until he looked like a fork full of spaghetti. Setney, Sadie stood and stepped back from Setney. His eyes were puffy. Her eyes were puffy like she'd been crying. Her clothes were covered in dry mud and leaves. Walt wasn't with her. My heart sank. I was almost glad my mouth was covered because I wouldn't have known what to say. Sadie took in the scene, the sea of chaos, the serpent's writhing shadow, the white obelisk. I could tell she felt the pull of chaos. She braced her feet, leaning from the sea like the anchor person in a tug-of-war. Knew her well enough to tell she was stealing herself, pushing her emotions back inside and forcing her sorrow down. Hello, brother dear she said in a shaky voice. Need some help? She managed to dispel the glamour on us. She looked surprised to find me holding Ra's crook and, crook and flail. How in the world? Zia briefly explained what we'd been up to, from the fight with the giant hippo through Setney's more recent betrayals. All that, Sadie marveled. And you had to drag my brother along too? You poor girl. But how can we even survive here? The power of chaos. She focused on Zia's scarab pendant. Oh, I really am thick. No wonder Towerette looked at you strangely. You're channeling the power of Ra. Ra chose me, Zia said. I didn't want this. Sadie got very quiet, which wasn't like her. Sis? 
I said, as gently as possible. What happened to Walt? Her eyes were so full of pain, I wanted to apologize for even asking. I hadn't seen her look like that since, well, since our mom died, when Sadie was little. He's not coming, she said. He's gone. Sadie, I'm so sorry, I said. Are you... I'm fine, she snapped. Translation, I'm most definitely not fine, but if you ask again, I'll stuff wax in your mouth. We have to hurry, she continued, trying to modulate her voice. I know how to capture the shadow. Just give me the figurine. I had a moment of panic. Did I still have the statue of Apophis that Walt had made? Coming all the way here and forgetting it would have been a major bonehead move. Fortunately, it was still at the bottom of my pack. I handed it to Sadie, who stared at the careful red carving of the coiled serpent, the hieroglyphs of binding around the name Apophis. I imagine she was thinking of Walt and all the effort he'd put into making it. She knelt at the edge of the jetty, where the obelisk base met the shadow. Sadie, I said. She froze. Yeah? My mouth felt like it was full of glue. I wanted to tell her to forget the whole thing. Seeing her at the obelisk, with that massive shadow coiling toward the horizon, I just knew something would go wrong. The shadow would attack. The spell would backfire somehow. Sadie reminded me so much of our mom. I couldn't shake the impression that we were repeating history. Our parents had tried to restrain Apophis once before at Cleopatra's Needle, and our mom had died. I'd spent years watching my dad deal with his guilt. If I stood by now while Sadie got hurt... Zia took my hand. Her fingers were trembling, but I was grateful for her presence. This will work, she promised. Sadie blew a strand of hair from her face. Listen to your girlfriend, Carter, and stop distracting me. She sounded exasperated, but there was no irritation in her eyes. Sadie understood my concerns as clearly as she knew my secret name. She was just as scared as I was. But in her own annoying way, she was trying to reassure me. May I continue? she asked. Good luck, I managed. Sadie nodded. She touched the figurine to the shadow and began to chant. I was afraid the waves of chaos might dissolve the figurine, or worse, pull Sadie in. Instead, the serpent's shadow began to thrash. Slowly it shrank writhing and snapping its mouth as if it were being hit with a cattle prod. The figurine absorbed the darkness. Soon the shadow was completely gone, and the statue was midnight black. Sadie spoke a simple binding spell on the figurine. Hainem. A long hiss escaped from the sea, almost like a sigh of relief and the sound echoed across the hills. The churning waves turned a lighter shade of red, as if some murky sediment had been dredged away. 
the pull of chaos seemed to lessen just slightly. Sadie stood. Right, we're ready. I stared at my sister. Sometimes she'd tease me that she'd eventually catch up to me in age and be my older sibling. Looking at her now, with that determined glint in her eyes and the confidence in her voice, I could almost believe her. That was amazing, I said. How did you know the spell? She scowled. Of course, the answer was obvious. She'd watched Walt do the same spell on Bess's shadow before whatever happened to Walt. The execration will be easy, she said. We have to be facing Apophis, but otherwise it's the same spell we've been practicing. Sia prodded Setney with her foot. That's another thing this maggot lied about. What should we do with him? We'll have to get the Book of Thoth out of those bindings, obviously, but after that, should we shove him into the drink? (coughs) Setney protested. Sadie and I exchanged looks. We silently agreed that we couldn't dissolve Setney, even as horrible as he was. Maybe we'd seen too many awful things over the past few days, and we didn't need to see any more. Or maybe we knew that Osiris had to be the one to decide Setney's punishment, since we'd promised to bring him, the ghost, back to the Hall of Judgment. Maybe, standing next to the obelisk of Mott, surrounded by the Sea of Chaos, we both realized that restraining ourselves from vengeance... It was what made us different from Apophis. Rules had their place. They kept us from unraveling. Drag him along, Sadie said. He's a ghost. Can't be that happy. I grabbed his feet, and we made our way back down the jetty. Satney's head bonked against the rocks, but that didn't concern me. Took all my concentration to keep putting one foot in front of the other. Moving away from the Sea of Chaos was even harder than moving toward it. By the time we reached the beach, I was exhausted. My clothes were drenched in sweat. We trudged across the sand and finally crested the hill. Oh, I uttered some words that were definitely not divine. In the cratered field below us, demons had gathered, hundreds of them all marching in our direction. As Setney had guessed, the shadow had sent a distress signal to the forces of Apophis, and the call had been answered. We were trapped between the the Sea of Chaos and a hostile army. At this point, I was starting to wonder, why me? All I wanted was to infiltrate the most dangerous part of the Duat, Steal the shadow of the primordial lord of chaos and save the world? Was that too much to ask? The demons were maybe two football fields away, closing rapidly. I'm estimated there were at least three or four hundred of them, and more kept pouring into the field. Several dozen winged monsters were even closer, spiraling lower and lower overhead. Against this army, we had Two canes, Zia, and a gift-wrapped ghost. I didn't like those odds. Sadie, can you make a gate to the surface? 
I asked. She closed her eyes and concentrated. She shook her head. No signal from Isis. Possibly we're too close to the Sea of Chaos. That was a scary thought. I tried to summon the Avatar of Horus. Nothing happened. I guess I should have known it would be hard to channel his powers down here. Especially after I asked him for a weapon back on the ship and the best he could do was an ostrich feather. Zia, I said. Your powers from Kifri are still working. Can you get us out of here? She clutched her scarab amulet. I don't think so. All Kifri's energy is being spent shielding us from chaos. He can't do anymore. I considered running back to the white obelisk. Maybe we could use it to open a portal. But I quickly dismissed the idea. The demons would be honest before we ever got there. We're not going to get out of this, I decided. Can we cast the execration on Apophis right now? Zia and Sadie spoke in unison. No. I knew they were right. We had to stand face to face with Apophis for the spell to work. But I couldn't believe we'd come all this way just to be stopped now. At least we can go out fighting. I unhooked the crook and flail from my belt. Sadie and Zia readied their staffs and wands. Then, at the far end of the field, a wave of confusion spread through the demon's ranks. They slowly began turning away from us, running in different directions. Behind the demon army, fireballs lit the sky. Plumes of smoke rose from newly opened craters in the ground. A battle seemed to be breaking out at the wrong end of the field. Who were they fighting? I asked. Each other? No. Zia pointed, a smile spreading across her face. Look! It was hard to see through the hazy air, but a wedge of combatants was slowly forcing its way through the back ranks of the demons. Their numbers were smaller, maybe a hundred or so, but the demons gave way to them. Those that didn't were cut down, trampled, or blown up like fireworks. It's the gods, Sadie said. That's impossible, I said. The gods wouldn't march into the Duat to rescue us. Not the big gods, no, she grinned at me, but the old forgotten ones from the House of Rest would. Anubis said he was calling for reinforcements. Anubis? I was really confused now. When had she seen Anubis? There, Sadie shouted. Oh! She seemed to forget how to speak. She just waved her fingers toward our new friends. The battle lines opened momentarily. A sleek black car barreled into combat. The driver had to be a maniac. He plowed into demons, going out of his way to hit them. He jumped over fiery crevices and spun in circles, flashing his lights and honking his horn. Then he came straight at us, until the front ranks of demons started to scatter. Only a few brave winged demons had the nerve to chase him. As the car got closer, I could see it was a Mercedes limo. It climbed the hill 
trailed by bat demons and screeched to a stop in a cloud of red dust. The driver's door opened, and a small hairy man in a blue speedo stepped out. I had never been so happy to see someone so ugly. Bess, in all his horrible, warty glory, climbed onto the roof of his car. He turned to face the bat demons. His eyes bulged. His mouth opened impossibly wide. His hair stood out like porcupine quills, and he yelled, Boo! The winged demons screamed and disintegrated. Bess! Sadie ran toward him. The dwarf god broke into a grin. He slid down to the hood, so he was almost Sadie's height when she hugged him. There's my girl, he said. And Carter, get your sorry hide over here. He hugged me, too. I didn't even mind him rubbing his knuckles on my head. And Zia Rashid, Bess cried generously. I got a hug for you, too. I'm good, Zia said, stepping back. Thanks. Bess bellowed with laughter. You're right. Time for warm and fuzzy later. We gotta get you guys out of here. The... The shadow spell? Sadie stammered. It actually worked? Of course it worked, you crazy kid. Bess thumped his hairy chest, and suddenly he was wearing a chauffeur's uniform. Now get in the car. It turned to grab Setney. My heart nearly stopped. Oh, holy Horace. The magician was gone. I scanned the terrain in every direction, hoping he'd just inchwormed away. There was no sign of him. Zia blasted fire at the spot where he'd been lying. Apparently, the ghost hadn't merely become invisible because there was no scream. Satney was right here, Zia protested, tied up in the ribbons of Hathor. How could he just disappear? Bess frowned. Satney, eh? I hate that weasel. Have you got the serpent shadow? Yeah. I said, but Setney has the Book of Thoth. Can you cast the execration without it? Bess asked. Sadie and I exchanged looks. Yes, we both said. Then we'll have time to worry about Setney later, Bess said. We don't have much time. I guess if you have to travel through the land of demons, a limo is the way to go. Unfortunately, Bess's new sedan was no cleaner than the one we left at the bottom of the Mediterranean last spring. I wondered if he pre-ordered them already littered with old Chinese food containers, stomped on magazines, and dirty laundry. Sadie broke shotgun. Z and I climbed him back. Bess slammed the accelerator and played a game of hit the demon. Five points if you can hit that bloke with the cleaver head. Sadie screamed. Boom! Cleavered head went flying over the hood. Sadie appointed. Ten points if you can hit those two dragonfly things at once. Boom, boom! Two very large bugs hit the windshield. Sadie and Bess laughed like crazy. Me? I was too busy yelling. Crevice! Look out! Flaming geyser! Go left! Call me practical. I wanted to live. I grabbed Zia's hand and tried to hang on. As we approached the heart of the battle, I could see the gods pushing back the demons. 
It looked like the entire Sunny Acres godly retirement community had unleashed their geriatric wrath on the forces of darkness. Taura, the hippo goddess, was in the lead, wearing her nurse's outfit and high heels, swinging a flaming torch in one hand and a hypodermic needle in the other. She bonked one demon on the head, then injected another in the rump, causing him to pass out immediately. Two old guys in loincloths were hobbling around, throwing fireballs into the sky and incinerating flying demons. One of the old dudes kept screaming, My pudding! For no apparent reason. Heket, the frog goddess, leaped around the battlefield, knocking out monsters with her tongue. She seemed to have a special fondness for the demons with insect heads. A few yards away, the senile cat goddess, Meket, was smashing demons with her walker, yelling, Meow! and hissing. Should we help them? Sia asked. Beth chuckled. <laughs> they don't need help. This is the most fun they've had in centuries. They have purpose again. They're going to cover our retreat while I get you to the river. But we don't have a ship anymore, I protested. Bess raised a furry eyebrow. You sure about that? He slowed the Mercedes and rolled down the window. Hey, sweetie, you okay here? Towerette turned and gave a huge hippo smile. We're fine, honey cakes. Good luck. I'll be back, he promised. He blew her a kiss, and I thought Towerette was going to faint from happiness. The Mercedes peeled out. Honey cakes? I asked. Hey, kid, Bess growled. Do I criticize your relationships? I didn't have the guts to look at Zia, but she squeezed my hand. Sadie stayed quiet. Maybe she was thinking about Walt. The Mercedes leaped one last flaming chasm and slammed to a stop on the beach of bones. I pointed to the wreckage of the Egyptian queen. See? No boat. Oh, yeah? Bess asked. Oh, what's that? Upriver, light blazed in the darkness. Zia inhaled sharply. Ra, she said. The sunboat approaches. As the light got closer, I saw she was right. The gold and white sail gleamed. Glowing orbs flitted around the deck of the boat. The crocodile-headed god Sobek stood at the bow knocking aside random river monsters with a big pole. And sitting in a fiery throne in the middle of the sunbark was the old god, Ra. Hello! He yelled across the river. We have cookies! Sadie kissed back on the cheek. You're brilliant! Hey now, the dwarf mumbled. You gonna make tower it, jealous? It just so happened the timing was right. If we'd missed the sunboat, we'd have been out of luck. That thought made me shudder. For millennia, Ra had followed this cycle. Sailing into the duat at sunset, traveling along the river of night until he emerged into the mortal world again at sunrise. But it was a one-way trip, and the boat kept to a tight schedule. As Ra passed through the various houses of the night, the gates closed until the next evening, making it easy for mortal travelers like us to get stranded.
Sadie and I had experienced that once before, and it hadn't been fun. As the sunboat drifted towards the shore, Bus gave us a lopsided grin. Ready, kids? I got a feeling things up in the mortal world aren't going to be pretty. That was the first unsurprising thing I'd heard all day. The glowing lights extended the boat's gangplank, and we climbed aboard for what might be the last sunrise in history.